The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Davin Mitch Krumpetich. Hey, Sands fan. Ooh, that was a good one. Thanks, I've been practicing. <laughs> that almost sounded like a recording, I'm not going to lie. Thank you. Yeah, it's it, sometimes when you just listen to something that many times, it starts to really get into your brain. Yeah. Well, keep it up. I want to see that improve throughout the year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so this week we will be talking about the Suns' schedule, which just came out here recently. We'll be talking about one game to watch. So if you can make it to a game this season, we're going to recommend one for you. After that, we'll predict the record the Suns will have after the first 10 games of the season. And then after that, we will continue our position breakdown, and we're on the small forward spot this week. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five star review and a comment, and you will get a shout out on the show. All right. So the schedule came out, and it's always an exciting time of the year. You get to look through it. You get to see. You get. You get to predict the record of your team you get to pick out games that you're going to want to see for sure and we know that not everybody can make it to a ton of suns games every year so we looked through the schedule and we picked out one game apiece that we recommend that you go see so if there's one you can go see this is the one we recommend and i'll start things off since i am picking the home opener the home opener is against the sacramento kings and if you go back to last year and just remember that home opener, do you remember a better moment in the stick last year, Mitch? No, that was so great. And we played Dallas. It was Luka versus Aiton one. And everyone was talking about how the Suns made such a huge mistake by taking Aiton and not Doncic. And we, we looked good. I remember thinking, like, this is the year that we're going to turn the corner. <laughs> Yeah, that's really how it felt after that game. We we were out to a big lead. We held the lead. We won the game. It was great to see Aiton out there, that Aiton versus Doncic. That was, I mean, you couldn't write it up much better than that to start the season. And then the Talking Stick Arena, I don't know if it got that wild for the rest of the year. So, I, I think that's the wildest I've ever experienced it. Yeah, I mean, in recent memory... That has to be one of the happiest moments in that arena, aside from game winners. But that game was, the crowd was amped from the tip-off all the way to the buzzer. It was, and I remember it was pretty packed. I don't know if it was sold out or not, but there were a lot of people. And so another thing about this, we, we get the home opener. Our first game is at home. That's always big time. And this is a game against the Kings. 
And a lot of people have said, and I feel this way too, that the Suns could have a season this year a little bit like the Kings did last year. Uh, the Kings added in some talent to kind of balance things out, and they got out of the cellar. They, they got up out of the basement, and they had a nice season last year, and that's what all of us are hoping the Suns do this year. So seeing us match up against that team to see how far they've come since their uh, big year last year, I think it's going to be a great game all around. Yeah, I do like that. I think a season like what the Kings had last year is probably best-case scenario for yeah. us, but at the same time, I also think it's realistic. I don't think it's too crazy to say. I don't want to put a number on it yet because we'll get to that in maybe a month or so when we make all of our official predictions. But, you know, still not making the playoffs, but, you know, being in the conversation at least for a few games out of the eight seed or whatever, I could right. see that. It feels like if the Kings were able to do that last year, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to do it too, just because they've they've been through it just like we have. And uh, they were due, now we are due. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. But if we're looking at the calendar, I think that's a great choice for for a game to see. I have, I actually have two. Um, I kind of want to try to figure this out and just pick one, but I'll, I'll present to you my two. So the first one is November 18th against Boston. And the only reason I say that is because last year, around the same time, we played Boston and we were up big the whole game. And then Marcus Morris hit a three to tie it. Like, we just gave up the lead. And he hit a three as time was expiring to tie the game, send it into overtime, and then they owned us in overtime. And it was, like, we were feeling so good. And then just from 100 all the way down to zero right away. And so to have that game, and I know there's not a lot of guys on our team who even remember that because we had some turnover, but Booker will remember. Aiton will remember. Uh, Mikhail will remember that one. So that could be a good game. A little bit of a revenge kind of thing. We don't see Boston very often. Right, and when we have the Celtics on the schedule, uh, Devin Booker dropping 70 always gets tossed out there, and we like to joke that he's right. going to get 71 next time and all that. So that's always fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's a good one. My other choice is we play the Thunder on Friday the 31st of January. It's a Friday game. That's always fun. We always play the Thunder really hard for some reason. The Thunder have changed a ton since last season. But I don't know why. It's always like, I feel like we try really hard and we always have a game against the Thunder sometime in January. And sometimes we have a couple. Usually we do that um, like back-to-back -back kind of thing where maybe we go there and then they come here or vice versa but we don't have that this year um but that's a good one and that's usually around the time that we do our um podcast anniversary celebration but that's that doesn't have anything to do with the game but just putting that out there but yeah we always play okc really hard in late january for some yeah reason. we go into try hard mode when we play the thunder but yeah. it might be a little different this year now that russ isn't there anymore Right, right. that was always by far the motivating factor. Uh, it wasn't about Aiton and Adams bumping down low or anything like that. It was just trying to shut down Russ 
like when we uh, prevented him from breaking the triple-double record in our arena. Mm-hmm. That was something. I remember that was a good one, one year we threw Derek Jones Jr. out on Russ when uh, airplane mode was just fresh into the league, and he got him all frustrated. <laughs> Russ got mad and shoved him. Uh, I I like that. When our guys are showing I, fight, I remember when shows up <laughs> against the Thunder, I, I just love it. Yeah, I remember that game, though. We were like, oh, Derek Jones Jr. shut Russ down. And I'm pretty sure they still won. He just didn't get the yeah. triple-double. And he had, like, 30, 10, and 9, nine assists. <laughs> or we're like, yeah, we shut him down. <laughs> so, but those games are just always fun. So, I, I guess after talking about it, I'm, I'm thinking that that's the game that I would go to, especially because the one against Boston is on a Monday too. Oh, yeah. So Friday night games are usually a Monday bit games. Those are rough, but yeah, give me there on the weekend for sure. Okay. So I'd say those are some good options to check out if you uh, are able to make it to a game this year. But now let's talk about the, I guess the immediate future, the first 10 games of the, on the schedule after we get through preseason, obviously. Once we get to the regular season where the wins somewhat start to matter, I guess would be a good way to say it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I don't. how do you want to do this, Mitch? Do you want to uh, do a group decision for each one of these and then tally it up, or do you want to go solo? We, we could do the group. I actually have it written already. I have a prediction. Oh. So what we could do, let, let's go through it together and then see how close it is to what what we had ahead okay. of time. So King's game, the one I was just hyping up, I got to say that's going to be a W. I think we're going to come I've out, got it yeah, as a win, we're too. We're going to come out yeah. on our home court, new team. Guys have been working all offseason. I'm feeling optimistic. We're, go- we're going undefeated to start the year. All right, then we get Denver in Denver, which is never fun. And uh, Jokic is pretty good. Jamal Murray is pretty yeah, good. Pretty good squad there. I don't know what yeah. it is. I just never buy into the Nuggets being that good. And I don't know if that's uh, just the history of the Nuggets kind of reminding me that they've they've been knocked around quite a bit in the past, but... I just can't believe they're that good. But I'm still going to say we're going to lose this one. I've got that as a loss, but I I am with you. It's always kind of funny to look at Jokic as their best player. It's like, how are they as good as they are? He doesn't look like it, but he's just such a gifted passer. And they they didn't change very much this offseason, and they were really good last year. So, Right. Yeah. I don't... They could surprise us and pull one out, but I don't expect that to happen. Yeah, it seems like with most bigs, if you can take away one part of their game, their most dominant part of their game, that'll really help things out. But with Jokic, there's so many things he can do, and he'll hurt you in a lot of different ways. I I personally am not a fan of Jokic, but I respect him. I love him. I think he's great. I think he has a bad attitude. (laughs) I don't know what it is. I don't think he's... uh, I don't think he's hungry enough. I could be very wrong, though. Mm, have you seen him? Hungry? As in weight? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to yeah, make I, a joke. I feel that. Okay. I, I smell what you're <laughs> stepping in there. 
he just doesn't look like he would be a great basketball right. player. But he's amazing. Yeah, he's he's got know? that smoothness and that strength inside. Yes. It's, it's fun to watch him play for sure. That's right. That's right. But yeah, definitely. Okay, a so loss. one and one after two. That's mm. that's great. That's a five hundred record. I can live with that. I would take that at the end of the season. <laughs> okay, then the Clippers come to town, which will be a fun one in Phoenix. Uh, it will. Getting to see Leonard and George come, that'll be really cool. <laughs> it's so weird to refer to them as Leonard, Leonard and, and George. George. It sounds like two old men that are going to sit down and play chess <laughs> and fall asleep. It'll take them four hours because <laughs> they fall asleep in the middle of it. And they wake up and they have to start over because they don't remember who was who. Okay, and about this game, I'd say the only way we're going to win <laughs> is if Leonard and George happen to fall asleep during the game. Yeah, there's no way. This is a, Even if they, those guys don't play, we're going to lose yeah, this Yeah, you can say, like, oh, maybe they don't have chemistry, but we're in the exact same boat. We don't have any chemistry either. So this is that, that's pretty unreachable, but, I mean, who knows? So we're going one and two, and then... We get the Jazz next. So the Jazz without Rubio, who's obviously with us now. Uh, Add Mike, Mike Conley. Conley. They got some other nice pieces. I, I keep hearing that they're going to be a competitor for the – looking for the finals this year. I don't know if I quite see a finals run, but I see him as a great team, and I probably see us taking the L here. I've got the same thing. I, I see them as maybe – at least a top five seed in the West. Yeah, I see that for sure. But maybe top three. We'll see. Yeah, I wish, you know, I'm really excited about Monty Williams, but I wish Quinn Snyder was our coach. Oh, he's so good. And scary. He is, yeah. All right. Schedule doesn't get much easier the next game. It's the Warriors at the Warriors' house. Uh, even without Durant, uh, Clay won't be. Is Clay out for the entire season, or what's what's the situation with Clay? I think he could come back at the very okay. end, so he definitely won't be playing. I, in this I don't really expect it. Yeah. Oh yeah. But be then they this. still have D'Lo. That you throw D'Lo into the mix with Steph. That's yeah. Even if they just had Steph and a bunch of scrubs, I would still say it right. Was. It's gonna be tough because. Um. So we start Rubio at point and say, "Okay, Rubio, you're guarding Steph." Then you put it Booker on D'Lo. Did I say that wrong? Yeah. Rubio. Okay. Nope. Rubio and so. D'Lo rhymed, and then it confused me. <laughs> no, Rubio on Steph and Booker on. That's D'Lo. gonna be tough for Book. Yeah, but it is. It'll be the same on the opposite end of the court. D'Lo well, and I imagine, Rubio. right, I mean, we we could probably put, this is one of those games, we'll get to this, but this is one of those instances where I could see us starting Mikhail Bridges just for the sake of guarding. Ah, I like that. That doesn't sound like a terrible idea. Okay. No, I still think we're so going to lose We're, we're going to lose that one, and that takes us to one and four? Four. Okay, so that's looking a little more familiar. <laughs> All right, the next uh, first game of November, we go to Memphis to play the Grizzlies, and I'm going to write this one down as a win. Me too. That's so funny. I think this is one of the few teams in the league where 
even at this point, long before the season starts, I feel like we can write this down as a win, but that's probably uh, me just being a homer. Well, I feel like I, I was looking at Memphis roster the other day, actually, and I forget why, but for some reason I pulled up their roster. And I just remember thinking, I thought they were better than this. <laughs> you know, I like Jaw. I like Brandon Clark, obviously. I think they have some nice pieces. Jaron Jackson Jr. is good. But I, I just think they have a long way to go, a lot of development. I think they're more in the boat of where we are than where someone like Sacramento is. Yeah, I agree with that. And they just have some interesting pieces like – uh, Valanchunas and Dwight Howard and Iggy. They have these guys. Dwight Howard is going to be a yeah, Laker. Yeah, I did see, see that. This. That was likely. Yeah, and Iggy's probably not going to be in Memphis. It'll be know. nice that Dwight can return to the Lakers without Kobe, and then he'll be yeah. able to like really take a leadership role and you know, just kind <laughs> yeah. of put the team on his back. <laughs> well, they're going to yeah. need it. LeBron is... LeBron is 95 years old at yep. this point. They need someone who can just carry that load. And Dwight Howard, I mean, look at his shoulders. His shoulders are still Beautiful massive. shoulders. <laughs> and then uh, an interesting combo of Grayson Allen and Josh Jackson coming off that bench. That could be. Oh, my gosh. Right? <laughs> yeah, wow, Memphis is not looking good. Yeah. Uh, man. But they have Melton, too. They have a bunch of interesting kind of pieces. I'm not saying Melton's going to be a difference maker this year, but they have nice pieces, but it's not quite the time yet. I feel like Memphis is kind of like a fruitcake, <laughs> you know? If you take all the individual ingredients of fruitcake, they're all pretty good. But for some reason, when you put them together, it's just not <laughs> great, you know? Like, some people really love fruitcake, but not really, you know? It's like... Is there a Skittle in there? <laughs> oh. It's like, yeah, Skittles are great, but in a fruitcake? You know, or like those weird cherries? Josh Jackson that is aren't really the Skittle in the fruitcake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a sour Skittle in a festive fruitcake. Oh, boy. Alright, so that puts us up at two and four, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, someone tweet that. Get our PR team. Get that up on the yeah. PR team. Okay. So we get uh, four home games. Well, more than four. Six home games in a row after this, but we're only going through the Lakers game. So all of these are at home. And then we have the 76ers after the Grizzlies. What do you think, Mitch? Loss. Loss? I, I'd probably have to. The Sixers are going to be good this year. They were good last year, and they're going to be really good this year. Do you year see too. that Devin Booker uh, open gym clip where he blew by Ben Simmons and yammed it with his left hand? Yeah, that was nice. So based on that, I'm going to say this is a win. Okay. <laughs> I, I would love that. but. Well, you know, just because the 76ers are the better team doesn't mean they're guaranteed the win. We got it. That's well, true. I know we're normally on the homer side, but I – I just don't want to be like a, a grouch, you know? That's fine. Okay, I'll, I'll put it as a win just Thank for this. All right, then we have the Heat. And I venture to say that could be another W. I actually marked that as a win, too. 
I, I don't think the Heat are going to be that great. You know, I don't either. Going through the Heat roster, there's a lot of nice pieces there. But, again, it's a new season, and we don't know how they're going to fit. Like, how's Jimmy Butler going to work there? Uh, they still have Dragic. They still have Justice Winslow. They still have Kelly Olynyk. I mean, it seems like there's a bunch of nice role-playing guys on the team, along with Jimmy Butler. I, the way I look at Jimmy Butler is just in that mold of Russell Westbrook after what we saw the last couple years where he's one of those guys that's really good but makes his teammates worse. I can see that. But then he's the same kind of guy who can be playing with the third stringers and then will them to a win. You know? It's an interesting combo there. That's true. That is true. I just think he always wants to be the best player on the floor. And in Miami, that's going to happen. He's clearly the best of all of those guys. But I don't know. I just... Dragic is a year older. I still love Goron, but... I just... I don't know. I, I don't see him being as good as even last year he he did really well despite you know his age and all of that but I just I see them on the decline and they lost to Son Whiteside which I know he wasn't playing all that much for them but I don't I just I kind of am just on the side of Miami is not going to be that great and every time we talk about the heat I have to mention Udonis Haslam I think he resigned I think he's coming back for another year a few episodes ago, I think I said that he was more than likely retiring, but once again, I was wrong. Okay, then we have the Nets. That will be an interesting one. Uh, they have a lot of depth at the guard position, which is pretty intimidating against our team, but <clears throat> without Durant, you just can't write this one down as a loss. Yeah, you have to think about it a little bit. And this is when I was making mine, like my solo list, this was the hardest decision I had to make. I still put it as a loss just because they have Kyrie. They they beat us so badly last year without Kyrie. Maybe we'll remember that and use it as motivation, but I just think they're a good team. Yeah, they're they're doing something right there in Brooklyn I don't know what it is but I don't know if this is such a big deal but the chemistry that team had definitely pushed them along a little further than what maybe they should have I don't know it was just a great a great team last year and then they're adding Irving and Durant without giving up much other than D'Lo right yeah, so I'm putting this as a loss. That's fair. That's fair. And then the 10th game of the season is against the Los Angeles Lakers at home. And I know the Lakers games are always ones that I look forward to attending just because I like to yell at Lakers fans. But nowadays, with LeBron and Anthony Davis there, are we going to be able to beat them? No. <laughs> no. I mean, we did beat them last year. LeBron, I mean, it was the end of the season. LeBron was really, really looking gassed. But adding Anthony Davis, that doesn't help anything. 
He's really good. <laughs> he is really good. And if they, I don't know, you can kind of joke about their depth. But, oh, and now with Boogie Cousins out. That's true. He is out. Yeah, we talked about Dwight for a minute, but that's why Dwight's getting looked at in L.A. because Boogie's going to be gone. So, uh, That's sad. I know he was playing for the Lakers, but I feel for him. No, I do too. And I don't, I don't want to see Devin Booker do the same thing, have the same career path that DeMarcus Cousins had. Oh my gosh. That, that's the nightmare scenario right there. Yeah. That's, I mean, if it were up to me, I'd fight tooth and nail to keep Devin Booker a Phoenix son for his entire life. But just seeing like, yeah, and you can say what you want about Boogie's personality and attitude and stuff like that, but great player who didn't get the help needed and then fizzled out in Sacramento, gets injured, looks around, goes to the Warriors, injured again throughout the season. It's just tough seeing that happen. Yeah, it really is. And he didn't even get the ring last year. Right. Well, and it's like, you know, all, all of these people give Durant so much such a hard time for going to the Warriors which is understandable but I feel like Boogie didn't get any of that because like he really paid his dues and was on such a terrible team for so long and then one year deal wanted to try to win one and then he just got hurt it's like you do have to feel for that yeah that's rough so we give ourselves a loss against the Lakers what does that uh, make our tally Puts us at four and six, and the only di- discrepancy here is I had us at three and seven, because I think we're gonna excuse me, lose the Sixers. Yeah, three and seven is fair to say. Four to six, if you're feeling a little optimistic, like I was there for a minute. I would I, if we're four and six after ten, I would be really happy. Yeah, four and six would be great. Three and seven wouldn't even be that bad with. And we have the toughest uh, strength of schedule in the NBA. Right. And it's also important to note that after these 10 games, our schedule does get a little bit easier. I mean, anymore, there's not really an easy night. But after playing, like, the Sixers and the Lakers, the Warriors, the Jazz, those kind of teams, we go and we play Atlanta, Boston, Sacramento again, the Pelicans, Minnesota. We do have Denver again, but then we have the Wizards. Dallas, Charlotte, Orlando, New Orleans. Like, it gets a little bit easier after those first 10. Yep, those Eastern road trips aren't so bad when you realize that you're playing teams out in the East. Okay, let's move it forward, and we're going to break down the small forward position heading into the season. And obviously the the two guys who are going to be taking the, the bulk share of those minutes are Kelly Oubre and Mikhail Bridges. But then we also drafted a guy who looks like he might be a small forward in the league, Cameron Johnson, and drafting a guy number 11 and possibly not giving him a ton of playing time would be a pretty interesting move, but we might see that happen. We'll we'll talk about that more, but first of all, uh, we've had some internal debate and discussion about this, but talking about the starting lineup. Do we see Kelly Oubre starting all 82 games this year, or do we see Bridges uh, getting the bulk? Do we see him split it up? Uh, let's talk about it. What do you think? Nick? So I see Oubre starting the vast majority of games, 
but I think there could be certain instances where Bridges starts, like I said, with the Warriors, with Mikhail starting just to guard D'Lo, while Rubio guards Steph, and give Booker that break, because we'll need his offense. But I think, I would say 95% of the time, Oubre will start. Right, I think I'd agree with that too. And there's probably a pretty good debate on how much a consistent starting five really matters. Uh, if it really affects chemistry as much or if you go into the analytics of it, looking that up. I'd be interested to find out more about that, but I don't think... Hmm, how do I want to phrase this? I think Ubre has that type of personality where he's a guy that he's really going to want to start. I agree with that. While Bridges probably cares less. Yeah, I mean, it also could be one of those situations where Ubre starts, but Bridges plays more. And I don't think either of them would mind that. Hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. So, well, and I mean, I know that David's position on this is that Bridges needs to start. He started a lot last year. Ubre isn't like isn't that good and all of this. I know those are some of the things he said, but I think Suns fans can easily overestimate Mikhail's abilities because he did have a pretty good year last year and is very likable. I like him. I think he's good. He's a good defender. Kelly Oubre is clearly a better player than Mikhail Bridges, just all around. And speaking to the minutes, this is pretty interesting. Uh, Last year with the Suns, Kelly averaged 29.5 minutes per game. And Mikhail also averaged 29 and a half minutes per game throughout the entire season. So uh, Mikhail played each game too. So that's that's great. And you can't compare these uh, completely because obviously Kelly has a smaller sample with the Suns. And if they were both there throughout the whole year, I doubt they would have been playing the exact same amount of minutes. But yeah, I guess the bigger thing to worry about if you want to worry about it, would be who plays more minutes, not who starts. Right. It could be split up pretty evenly. I mean, if you look at their numbers, too, these guys are both around 6'7". Mikhail has got five pounds on Ubre, according to ESPN. Um, I mean, Ubre averages quite a few more points, 15.2 points per game last season, as compared to 8.3 for Mikhail. I know that Mikhail got off to a bit of a slow start and started getting more of those minutes later, so that could be skewed a little bit. Ubre with 3.2 rebounds a game. or Sorry, Mikhail Bridges with 3.2 per game and Ubre with 4.7. That rebounding is big. Um, and then assists, they're both... Or, sorry, 1.2 for Ubre and 2.1 for Bridges. So that's kind of interesting. But the one that I want to point out is player efficiency rating. Mikhail had a PER of 10.78 while Oubre is at 15.22. Oubre is quite a bit more efficient. And I don't think the eye test would tell you that. Yeah, I don't think it would either. The The difference I see between those two guys, uh, just as players overall, is probably just the the aggressiveness. It seems like when Kelly's out there, you see him flying all over the place. He's going for boards. He's he's trying to get buckets. 
while Bridges kind of lets things come to him more, he can sit back, watch. He he picks up another assist per game. Uh, that's where I see the big difference. But yeah, well, I mean, it, it makes sense in the numbers too, because Bridges averages almost one more assist, and Ubre's got more rebounds. You know, it it makes a yeah. lot of sense. So how about how about this? Let's talk about the one thing that each of these two guys could do to really up their game this year. So with Bridges, Bridges, there's a few things you could say other than defense. He doesn't need to show vast improvement in that because he was great last year. But on the offensive side of the ball, I think the one thing I'd like to see would him being able to score by himself, uh, not getting to play ran for him, just the ability to get his own shot. I'd like to see some improvement there because that's the one thing I think was holding him back. Yeah, I agree with that. I just want to see him shoot better from three. And he didn't shoot bad. He shot 33.5% from three last year. But David and I talk, talked about this on another episode. That used to be like kind of average, but anymore you've got to get that up to like 35 or so. Right. So I would like to see that go up by a percentage point. And especially eye test wise, it seems like last year there were a lot of open threes that Mikhail hit or uh, took and missed. Ones that you kind of were expecting to go down. I feel like he didn't uh, just didn't complete on a lot of those. Right. Right. I don't think it'd be crazy to see his three point percentage go up a few percentage points this year, though. No, I think it will too. I and. Last year, my bold prediction was that Josh Jackson's three-point percentage would go way up. That was so mm-hmm. wrong. I don't think it's a bold predict a bold prediction to say that Bridges will improve because he improved throughout the season. Right. Okay. How about Kelly now? What's one thing that would take Kelly to the next step? I mean, Kelly's got to shoot way better from three. He yeah. shot thirty-two percent last year. Again, not like horrifically bad. Not Josh Jackson level, but. He also just takes a lot of shots. And I think it will help, though, because he's not going to have to do it all. There were points last season where he was the only guy who really knew what he was doing on the court. Yeah, that's that's definitely fair to say. So, as a son, he put up 13.4 shots per game. So, yeah, he got put into that position where he needed to do that stuff. All right, I like that though. Um, what would I think? Aside from defense, I like what he does on defense. Just he's got the athleticism, he has the wingspan, and all that. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna keep it on the offensive end, and I'd like to see him get to the free throw line a little bit more. Because when he gets to the rim, he has great touch there, and he's one of those guys where it seems like. Uh, the ball came out of his hand flat and it looks like it's going to just rock it off of the backboard. It, it seems like it's always soft when it comes off of his hands. So I love watching him get to the basket, even if he has to throw up some some crap, more or less. Like I'm fine with that because he's got that nice touch and uh, he needs to get to the line more. I would like to see him get to the line a little bit more too, but the only problem is 
Kelly has shot 77% from the free throw line over his career and last year. I would like to see him get that up to around 80, but that could be tough. Right on. Okay, let's talk about Cameron Johnson a little bit. And like I said earlier, uh, we drafted him number 11, and he looks like he fits into the small forward spot. And I don't know if I can see him playing much at the four or a ton at the two either. Uh, do you agree with that or do you disagree? Um, I kind of disagree. Well, I think in the context of our team. I think he fits well as a three, but I think in the context of our team, he's probably going to have to play the four and the two. You know, that four position... I've been thinking about that a lot because with Diallo and Kaminsky and then you have and Saric obviously who will be starting but then you have Ubre, Bridges and Johnson who are all about that height where maybe they could play some four or if they don't have a big four out there they're stretching things out then you can throw one of those guys in there like, that's where I see Johnson at the most, playing the four. Yeah, and I just think that's going to happen. I think a lot of times we're going to surround, we're going to have Booker, Aiton, and Shooters. If we that see that, fun. like, point book kind of stuff. I mean, I'm not even going to look at, look at it as, like, positions, you know. I want to see point book a little bit. I want to see Aiton, and I want to see three Shooters. Well, we have that. We have a lot of shooters this year. It's it's going to be nice. So, what do you what do you expect from him this year? Do you see him playing 82 games? Do you see him getting 10 minutes per game? Like what do you think? Um, I think he might get more than 10 minutes a game, but I could see him sitting a few. I could see that, especially just because of his injury history. I could see us maybe like easing him in a little bit, giving him some extra time to get in shape. Yeah, and just like looking back to last year with the buildup of wings that we had throughout the whole season, uh, I'm more confident this year because I like Ubre and Bridges. I like them both. And then we have Cam Johnson, the rookie, who we can slowly bring along. I like this situation a lot better. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is how it goes for most rookies, I feel like. And, you know, this is something that David and I had talked about when we talked about power forwards. In the past, for the Suns, whoever we draft in the first round, they went in like they're going to be the starter at whatever position. It's really nice that we don't have to do that. We don't have to have these high expectations for these rookies. Yeah, and um, think if uh, Bender or Chris or Jackson even got an opportunity like that. Their careers could be entirely different right now. I mean, Alex Len. Oh, absolutely. Alex Len saying, if I would have been with Atlanta from the start, I would have been a completely different player. And a lot of Suns fans got all mad at that. But he's right. He's completely right. But on that same note, he could be even worse, potentially. Like, who knows? Maybe he, uh, like, grew some stickum into his hand, like 
some natural stick him, and then he started catching passes. And he could, he could, but yeah, no, we that's, just that's good stuff though. So we agree. We see Ubre taking the majority of the starts. Maybe Bridges gets speckled in there. Uh, obviously, we're not factoring in injuries because who knows. Uh, we see Johnson getting minutes at the primarily the three, but also the four and the two. And uh, what what else do we got on Johnson? That's about it. We talked about him quite a bit last week. And okay. I mean, I just I think he's basically our third string small forward, and it's kind of like remember when you were playing football in like eighth grade. And the positions didn't really matter that much. And it's like someone went down for a play or two. They're like, we need a defensive tackle or we need a linebacker. Who wants to go? And you just kind of raise your hand because you want to play. I feel like that's how Cam Johnson is going to be. You know, someone's going to need a breather for two minutes and he could go in. Yeah. And I'm excited to see that compared to, I guess, yeah, in the past, it's always been all these rookies just thrust in there, but. Uh, Cam Johnson's going to be able to come in without a huge role, play within his own game, and I don't know. Maybe maybe he gets hot, then he earns more minutes. Maybe maybe crazy stuff happens, and he I don't know. What if he outplays? That I mean, that'd be great. Somebody, <laughs> not Ubre or Bridges, but I mean, it's uh it's possible. We'll just have to see. Yeah, yeah. I think I I think he could have a decent season. But I don't have high expectations, and it's really nice to be in this position with a rookie. Totally agree. <laughs> yep. But with that, it is time for our non-sports section of the show. We have not talked about this ahead of time, but I came up with something just oh a boy. second ago. What's something that you've never done that you think you would be good something at? Something I've never done that I think I'd be good at. Oh, I have an answer for this. I think I missed out on my calling as an athlete and I think I missed out on playing lacrosse I I love I don't know much about lacrosse but when it's on like ESPN 8 or whatever I'll watch it yeah and it's really entertaining but just the style of the game like the open field running sort of similar to football but then you get the stick and you get to you just get to whip it not not at people. I mean, like you you whip the the ball into the goal or his passes. I I just like that. I like the combination of throwing, catching, and evading without getting entirely lit up like you do in football. And I just my skills as an athlete back in the day. I think they would have fit in nice for lacrosse. Okay, I have an odd answer. For Let's hear it. I'm not going to do this, and I don't have any interest in it, but I think I could be a great truck driver. Like, I love driving. Whenever we go on trips, I always volunteer to drive. I don't mind driving for a long time. I have the ability to focus on one thing for a really long time. Um, I like traveling. I like seeing new places and trying new things. I don't know. Sometimes when I see semis, I, I wouldn't want to drive a semi, but sometimes I just wonder, like, where are they going? And I don't know. I could just see myself being kind of good at that if, you know, in a, in a different life. 
you know, I've thought of that too, and the the independence of it is pretty attractive to me. Like you hop in your truck and you're out on the road by yourself and that's that. Um there's always one thing that hangs me up though, and it's backing up the truck into like those like a little tiny delivery bay. Um uh back in South Dakota we ran a gas station and right across the street was a it was like a sunflower um uh, what's the word i'm all my people from south dakota are giving me crap right now because i can't (laughs) think of it depot yeah like it has the they they uh weigh it out they it takes deliveries it sends it out i feel so stupid right now apologies to all my midwest brethren but I had watched these, it was right next door to my place of work, so I'd watch these guys back up these giant trucks into this little tiny dock, and I it took them quite a while to do it, and that, it was good entertainment to watch because, you know, some guys take like 10 attempts to do it, some guys do it perfectly, and I'd be the guy who would be there for like half an hour trying to figure out how to back the thing up. That's That's what worries me about driving a truck. Yeah. That is scary, but I just, while you were explaining that, I thought of something. A friend of mine from college, Gozags, shout out to Jake Hunter, he used to be a FedEx delivery driver in Seaside, Oregon, and he would just drive up and down the Oregon coast. FedEx truck is way smaller than a semi, and the pictures he would post were just, like, amazing every day, and he'd take a break and eat lunch on the beach. Now that that's legit, or like the what is it the one highway in California that takes you all the way up and down the coast? Yeah, the Pacific. Put that on my route, please. I'd do that. Yeah, I'd haphazardly throw boxes over fences. All no problem. I'd be good at that. (laughs) All right, well that wraps it up for this week. Uh, We thank you guys for tuning in. Talking about the schedule is always exciting. We're we're getting pretty close to the regular season coming around uh be sure to tune in next week we'll be breaking down the shooting guard position which will be pretty much the the devin booker montage i assume yeah devin booker appreciation episode yep number three that's what we're here for (laughs) all right and check us out on social media at sunny and phx pod that's twitter and instagram thanks for tuning in see you next week go suns